Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. We do raise a hallelujah to you. You alone are worthy of all the glory and all the honour, and we bless your name, Jesus. Father, as we hear your word this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us. God, that you would speak to us. Lord, that we would be bold enough to obey what you're asking us to do. For the glory of your name, amen. Thanks, folks. If you'd like to have a seat, that'd be great. Really good to be here this morning. What a great time of worship. You know, worship's not just about singing songs. It's a lifestyle. And as we come into the presence of God, you can't help but sing, Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God. Worthy is God Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, who was and is and is to come, who rules and reigns and walks with us daily in the most intimate of details. He knows us and loves us. Isn't that great? There are times when I wonder about myself. There are times when you probably wonder about me as well. But there are times when I wonder and think, God, how could you love me? Truly, God, how could you love me? We're going to talk a little bit about that, that he sees us and he loves us. And when he comes to us, it's not just to hold it all in, but he transforms us so that he can use us to bring his word, his will, his kingdom. It's not about us. So Pastor Brad's away today. And uh, he um, asked me to send his love to the folk here. Um, he's offered a, doing a wedding. Marriage is good. <laughs> so our theme that we've been working through is looking out. Now that's not look out. It's looking outwards, not looking inwards. And this morning I just want to touch briefly on what a world is like when you're looking inwards. None of us would be doing that, I'm sure. But then how God can change us from being inward to being outward focused. So how do you want to arrive in heaven? You know, we're all going to have that moment where we step from here into kingdom come. And how do you want to arrive? You know, I like to, my son says, mum, you're well put together. So like, you know, it takes me a lot longer these days to sort of get myself in a presentable uh, shape. But I don't want to look like this when I get to heaven. <laughs> I want to be totally used up. I want to be not quite exhausted falling over the line. I want to be scooting into heaven with nothing left to do on earth. I don't want to have something. I don't want to be waiting at, at, you know, waiting to take my final breath saying, no, no, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. I've still got this to do and I didn't finish that and I didn't do that. I want to leave it all out on the field. I want to be so done that I can't wait to take that last breath, you know. So that's how I would like to enter heaven. So, you know, we were singing um, 
the, in the, one of the songs we were singing this, this morning, which I loved, and it's, if I'm not dead, you're not done. So you know what, folks? God is not finished with you yet. If you are still drawing breath, then you've still got work to do. Now, you might not know what that is, and that's okay. Draw another breath because God, God is spirit and he will reveal it to you. So what does it look like? Oh, I just want to touch on. So, you know, today is 9-11 and, you know, our world changed 21 years ago and that's traumatic and, and there's a lot of people still grieving in that situation. And, of course, on Thursday in the UK time, Queen Elizabeth II passed into glory. You know, one thing that really struck me, you couldn't miss it, could you? You know, it was just, there's nothing on the TV that's not about Queen Elizabeth II. And whether you're a monarchist or a Republican, you know, bottom line is, this lady knew Jesus and she served with everything she had. And right around the globe, people are saying that she lived well, that she served her people. So... Um, when King Charles III, in his first speech, spoke of his mother, he said, Queen Elizabeth II's life was a life well lived, a promise of destiny kept. And I took that and I thought, you know what? I want that to be said about me when I pass into glory. What a wonderful testimony, a life worth li well lived. And a promise of destiny kept. You know, God has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. He's called you. He had you birthed for such a time as this. You could have been born 100 years ago. Some of us feel that we were. But, you know, you could have been born 100 years ago. Or you could be waiting to be born yet, if you get what I mean. But no, God chose each and every one of us for this moment in this place because he has something unique for each one of us to do. And we can't afford to leave that up to somebody else. They shouldn't have to be doing their work plus my work. Amen? So in our current series of Looking Out, I just want to reflect on a few things that have been said um, and I've noted a few things down and, and it might not be exactly what was said, but it's what I had in my heart, what God was saying to me through the messages. So we've had put God first. Put God first in our day, in our week, in our finances. The world doesn't need to be told about the love of God. They need to experience it. No more excuses. We need to love like Jesus those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. The zeal of God does not die out. It consumes us. God reaches each generation. God doesn't play tricks on us. What he spoke over us is true and he will bring it to pass. Let's not become over familiar with God and his blessing. Let's return to the awe and wonder of faith. And through compassion, we're not just moved to remove what's in the way, <clears throat> excuse me, but restore <clears throat> and transform to progress what God has called. Go, therefore, to make disciples of all nations, to live a life on mission. And Tim said that this morning, living a life on mission. And in order to do that, we must have an ear to heaven 
in spite of earthly matters. We need to position ourselves for opportunity. Remember when, um, I can't remember who it was was preaching, I think it might have been Brad, and he talked about Philip running to the eunuch in the, in the carriage and he looked for the opportunity to share the gospel. He looked for that opportunity. He positioned himself. He read the play. I wish the dockers had read the play last night. We won't go there. We just mourn quietly. Um, to connect with people where they're at, asking questions, to point people to Jesus. And then last week, look at your legacy. Laying up something that is imperishable, unspoiled and unfading. So that's a brief summary of what I've gleaned from the series that we've been working on. Stuff that, you know, stirs me and wants me to change, to be more like Jesus. So this week, I want to very briefly consider what it is, what it looks like to be an inward-focused person. And then spend a lot more time on being an outward-focused person. So when we look inward all the time, we become a bit self-absorbed. And we start to think that actually everything does revolve around me. And we become self-absorbed through angst. And we might feel insufficient, inadequate, unsafe, and driven by anxiety. We might become self-centred. Now, of course, none of you are relating to this. Good. (laughs) And we might feel of less worth, less value, less importance, incomplete. And we might speak negatively about ourselves, calling ourselves a reject, a loser, a failure. And then this would lead us to feeling threatened, vulnerable, and insecure. And you're thinking, oh, no way, I don't know anybody like that. (laughs) And if that's the case, fantastic, that's brilliant. But I suspect that there might have been a time when probably each one of us has felt a little bit like that. And praise the Lord, it's only for a short season. And you know what? Sometimes we do need to look inwards and reflect and examine ourselves and make those readjustments And when the Holy Spirit leads us to do that, it is redemptive. When it's not the Holy Spirit who does that to us, it is destructive. Because we tend to stay in that situation. So there's nothing wrong with examining ourselves and letting Holy Spirit put his finger on things and saying, hey, that's actually not good. And hopefully, it doesn't last for long. Now, I'm not denigrating that some of, sometimes we have to work through some stuff. That's true, we do. But it is redemptive and it is restorative and it makes us better than we were before because we become more like Jesus in the process. However, if we get trapped in that cycle, if we get trapped in that period of time, We can become very inward-looking. It shrinks our world because it's actually me, myself and I, my two best friends, and our world becomes very small. But what happens is that we don't achieve the full potential for which God has created us and into which he's called us 
as I said earlier, God has a plan and a purpose for each one of our lives. And if we stay focused on all the things that are wrong with us, we're not going to reach that full potential. So enough of the doom and gloom. Let's have a look at a life that was transformed from being inward-looking to outward-looking. And if you've got your Bibles or your device um, with you, if you could flick into John 4, verse 7 to 10. And I've got it on the screen. And this is from um, the New King James. So a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So I just want to raise a few points here. So his, in those days, women had to go to the well to get the water for the day's necessities and probably trotted back in the evening. They went early in the morning so that it was cool. We're talking a hot climate. You know, imagine in the middle of summer trotting down the couple of kilometres with the big, you know, earthenware vessels on either side of your pole strung across your shoulders in 42-degree heat. Now, that's probably not sanity. So you'd probably want to get down there at about 6, 7 in the morning. And so the women would all go together, A, because women do things together, and B, because it was safer. So, you know, it wasn't necessarily a very safe environment trotting out there by yourself because the well wasn't in the middle of the city, it was up on the hill. And so the women would go out there, have their social time, gather, share, encourage one another, draw the water and walk back. This woman was there in the middle of the day by herself. Why? Because no one would go with her. She was alone and no one would want to be seen with her because she was deemed unclean. And that anybody being seen with her would be by association unclean. So that's one part. Now here's Jesus, who was a Jew, talking to a Samaritan. Jews and Samaritans didn't mix. They didn't talk. He's a man talking to a woman on her own. They are alone on the hilltop at the well. There's so many cultural no-nos going on in this small little piece of scripture that you sort of think, wow, that's really big. So Let's actually unpack a little bit what this woman must have been feeling. She knew she was rejected, unclean, infectious. She continued to live her life as best she could. Now, we don't know all the situations surrounding how she landed in that position of being, you know, not in a good way. But she didn't have many options because in those days, women were under the protection of their husband, and if they didn't have a husband, under their father or another male relative. And she didn't have that. So here she was, battling on bravely, rejected, 
obviously wounded from all that rejection, hiding from society, yet going about her daily needs. And Jesus spent time talking with her. And what he talked about was actually true worship. She was getting confused between worshipping in the temple and worshipping on the hill. She, you know, the, the ancestors worshipped on the hill, but then the Jews wanted to worship in the temple, which is in the middle of town. And, you know, that, that Jesus unpacked it and said, you know, the time is coming when you're going to worship in spirit and truth. Basically, it's not going to be about temples and mountaintops. It's going to be about the heart. So he was, she was rejected by society, and here she is. So... We're going to try and show a YouTube clip here. <laughs> I said we're going to try because I landed it on our um, sound and IT folks this morning and they are wonderful. They are absolutely awesome. And so shout out to you guys. Thank you for your help. So we're going to see if this works. If we can have it. Here we go. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. <laughs> you promised. I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> hey, wait! Your water! You forgot your, um... So if you've not seen The Chosen before, it's, I would recommend it. It's a, a dramatization of the times of Jesus. It's not directly word for word from the Bible. And some the first few sessions, it's a little bit hard to get into. But once you get to know the characters, you just, for me, um, I love movies. But for me, I saw different facets of Jesus. You know, um, yeah, it's just wonderful. <laughs> so what I love about that very short clip is that here's this woman who is totally rejected and she has a revelation of Jesus and it changed her. And it did more than that. It transformed a whole city and we'll get to that in a second. So the revelation that she had came from the fact that Jesus actually told her everything. And the first five minutes of that clip actually lead up to that point where at one moment he says, you know, okay, I'll give you some water. Go and get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. 
And he goes, that's right, you've had five. And the one you're with now isn't your husband. And, you know, in, in her brokenness, the walls came up and she was quite, you know, not fierce or grumpy, but, you know, quite, quite um, wooden and, and unresponsive. And bit by bit, Jesus started unfolding and telling her, saying, well, here's your, I won't go into it, but he, he very, and you don't hear a lot of it, but he says, well, your first husband and describes him and your second husband and describes him. And bit by bit, she's just thinking, no one knows this, that the woman was the only person to know these things. And that's when she had that revelation and said, you are the Christ. You know everything about me. And that's the moment, I believe, when she switched from being an inward person to an outward person. Because she attempted to get away from it. And she said, you picked the wrong person. Anybody ever thought that? No, you're all too holy and godly. <laughs> but, you know, when, when you think God is asking you to do something and everything lines up and you're just thinking, oh, no way, I can't do that. And as Chris was saying this morning, give it to God because God will do it through you. And she's saying, you picked the wrong person. And he said, do you think it's an accident? I'm here in the middle of the day. I came here just for you. Folks, Jesus came here just for you. In those moments when he's speaking to you and telling you things, he's here just for you. It's no accident. It's not the middle of the day or not five o'clock in the morning. He showed up because you were there. Her next attempt to block out what Jesus was asking her to do was, I'm rejected by others. Inward looking, I'm rejected by others. And I love the compassion that Jesus had the guy playing Jesus, had in that moment where he said, I know, but not by Messiah. Oh, wow. I don't know about you, but my heart just leapt when I heard that because I see myself. I've been rejected by others. And Jesus says, I know, but not by Messiah. And he says that to each one of us this morning. I know, but not by Messiah. And she finally says, <clears throat> and you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone I know. Now, it's not in the Bible, but in the context, Jesus says, I was counting on it. And so look what happened after that in verse 27. It says, at this point, the disciples came and they marveled that he was talking to a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking to her? Now, an inward focused person wouldn't have planned to run off and tell everybody remember her situation rejected no one wants to be with her she's infectious she's unclean and all of a sudden she's got to tell everybody about the Christ because he's radically changed his life she's been accepted and in that moment she switched to being outward focused from instead of it being all about me and my world it's I have to tell others I have to tell others about the Christ he's the man who told me everything I knew he is the Christ and folks when we have that revelation of Jesus we can't help but tell others about him 
Now, an inward-focused person is consumed about himself, herself, feeling unworthy, inadequate, threatened, rejected, vulnerable and so on. And at best, that person would believe the words of Christ and go away, going, okay, well, I'm good now. But there's no way Jesus was going to use someone like that to spread the news of the Messiah. And I want you to hold on to those words for a few moments. She had many barriers which led her to be inwards. She put them all before Jesus, chose the wrong person, I'm rejected, and so on. But he demolished each one with his love, with his grace, with his peace, with his word. All that was making her an outcast, her shame, her uncleanliness and contagious impact of that uncleanliness, all of that, as she embraced the Christ, fell off and she ran off to tell others. In verse 39, here's the result of this woman becoming an outwards focused person. Many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed there two more days and many more believed because of his word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the saviour of the world. She introduced Jesus to these people and when they heard him, they got that revelation. I can't give that revelation to people about Jesus. I can introduce, I can ask the questions, I can lead, but only Jesus can give that revelation about himself. So an outward-focused person puts others first. She told everyone she ever knew. Now imagine the first few people she encountered. Remember, this is the woman who no one will associate with. And yet, somehow, she'd been transformed. Something happened that they would listen to her. So my question is today, how outwards focused am I? Are we? Would I prefer to hold on to my concerns, my failures, my feelings of inadequacy, of intimidation, insecurity, anxiety, self-doubt, even self-loathing? Would I want to hold on to all of that and stay in the shadows of shame? Or will I be bold enough to risk it all and tell others of what Jesus has done for me? So he says in the clip, I came here for you. Brothers and sisters, Jesus came here for you. Now, who are you going to tell? Some of us are called to go across oceans to tell people about Christ. Others are called to cross the land. Others are placed in high levels of business, government, education, and still others are placed in retail, in hospitality, in the courts, in hospitals, in hospices, in daycare centres. And others are called to walk across the street. And others are called to walk across the room. Now we can step back and say, that's actually not my personality. I'm an introvert. 
I don't like public speaking. I don't have a position of influence and so on. And we can put some very genuine barriers up. But the reality is when you encounter Christ, when you recognise the Son of Man as the Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ, the only one who can tell you everything you've ever done and doesn't judge you, can you really hold on to that and not tell anybody? What would have happened if that woman at the well had remained inward focused, slunked back with her water, carried on her own business, a whole city would not have come to know Jesus. He would have probably done something else and worked with somebody else. But imagine, you know, there are people in each one of our worlds who are counting on us. They don't know it yet. They're counting on us to introduce them to Christ. So it brings me back to those words. I said, just hold on to these words for a moment. There's no way that Jesus was going to use someone like that to spread the word, the news of the Messiah. You know what? I reckon there's no way that Jesus can use us when we are inward focused. I mean, there are probably moments, but when we remain focused about ourselves, we don't get to be outward and talk about Jesus and share Jesus. He meets us at that moment and transforms us from being inward to outward. In a split second maybe, or maybe it takes a little bit longer as we work through things, as his Holy Spirit works with us, as his word becomes reality and we step in faith and appropriate it into our lives. Sometimes that can take time. I know, I know that's had to happen with me at times. But he doesn't leave us the same as when he met us. He doesn't leave us the same. And sometimes our journeys get a little bit hard. And it just, you know, it's just hard. Like the woman at the well. You picked the wrong person. No, I've come here just for you. Do you think it's by accident? I'm here in the middle of the day. When we encounter Christ... We cannot step away from his call to be outwards looking. Looking out for others and looking out for opportunities to bring the revelation of Jesus the Christ. Of him being the only one who's known everything we've ever done and not judging us about it. There's a great psalm um, that I, I was reading during the week and it really moved me. And I just want to share it with you. So it's... Um, Psalm 20, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. Think about that. May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. We will rejoice in your salvation and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions, all your prayers. There's a bit in there. Fulfill your purpose. If you're still breathing, God's not finished. So I titled this, Leaving It All on the Field. 
And it's an expression that I like to use. Now, like most of you, I've played those games, you know, the grand final or maybe, unfortunately, the preliminary final. And you've lost and you've left everything on. The, there's not one more thing you could have done. You couldn't run another meter. You couldn't jumped any higher. You couldn't have thrown a goal any further or kicked the ball or whatever. You know, those swimming races where you just powered through and slapped into the wall, but somebody got there first. But you gave everything you had. There's nothing more that you could do. I reckon that's how we need to go out. Where we've left it, there's not one more person I need to speak to. There's not one more meal I need to cook for someone. There's not one more person I need to sit with and cry with or laugh with or serve because I've done it. Leaving it all on the field. It's not about me. It's about others. I'd love that to go on my tombstone. Others. So as the worship team comes back up, and I'm going to close in prayer in a moment, if there's anyone here who hasn't met Jesus the Christ and you're thinking, I'd like to meet him. Well, we'd be honoured to introduce you to him and as we sing our last song, there'll be folks down the front who can do that. There might be some here this morning who've met Jesus the Christ and yet holding back for some reason, just some reason, you've picked the wrong person. I'm rejected. And if that's you, there's absolutely no judgment. And if you would like to come and have people pray with you as you stand before the Christ and embrace him, then we'd love to do that. Or if you'd like prayer for any other reason, we'd be honoured to stand with you in faith and pray with you. And we invite you to do that as we sing our last song. So let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word to us. I thank you, Lord, that you have come for each one of us and you have spoken to each one of us and you have accepted each one of us. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would have your way, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and gently touch us and move us into your plan and purpose. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.